Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that doesn't seem to have any enemies at all. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm Tom Schneider. We are properly married. You have to start out learning to believe the little lies. Whoa, man. No, no I know. That what are you saying? Harsh. Is there something wrong with our marriage no, license? It's <laughs> it's it's actually fine. That was uh, you know, that was your local minister's wedding advice. Uh about, you know, lies and relationships and just getting along with it. Sure. Yeah. Uh, great. Yeah. So wait, is Terry Pratchett an atheist person? I believe so, yes. I find it interesting that this is the, that's like the message of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Is that like we need these little lies so we can believe these big lies. Right. That prevent us from being miserable all the time. Yeah. But he didn't believe in any. Yeah, except, you know, he, that's the thing about him, and I think that's what it's sort of talking about there. He believed in, you know, right and wrong, and, you know, he had some pretty solid, if, you know, vague around the edges, like, political points of view he's always putting across in terms of the oh, yeah, he's class certainly, relations. Yeah, he certainly and, seems pro the proletariat. Yeah, very much so. He's a pro-pro. <laughs> yes, he is. Uh, okay, so, anyway. Here we are, day 11. The Hogfather. Yeah. Hogfather. Not the Hogfather. Yeah, it's just Hogfather. called Hogfather, as it turns out. Uh, okay, so day 11. Mm-hmm. 11, 11 pokers, pokers killing, killing 10. 10. We just rehearsed well, no, this. we did. We were right <laughs> There's there. There's so many. Uh, okay. 10... Turks delighting, nine snow globes breaking, eight bears a bjorning, seven stinks a smelling, six ghosts a haunting, five pointless things, four browns a bearing, three witches witching, two dummies dummy, and McGovern being McG. All right. It's always the one before, the, like yeah. the one that we've said the least. That's yeah. the most confusing. Yeah, but uh, like you can hear us becoming more certain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, here we are, almost at the end, and we're covering Hogfather, starring Michelle Dockery. Yes, baby Michelle Dockery. Mm-hmm. This is pre Downton. Yeah, this was two thousand seven. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know, adapting an author that I love personally. That I, I refuse to read on right. principle. It's, uh, again, as we were discussing about C.S. Lewis the other day, uh, very British. Very British. Um, I was concerned that this adaptation would, like, make me read Terry Pratchett and, like, want to do that. Uh-huh. But good news, it didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel good about my choices. Yeah. Because, unfortunately... <sighs> There's 45 minutes of a really great adaptation of this book... Yeah. ...in a three-hour miniseries. Yeah. Like... like- the entire first hour and a half was completely unnecessary. Yeah. I didn't need to know, but maybe 10 minutes worth of the information contained therein. Yeah. And they seemed to think that in having all of these pointless scenes that would like raise the stakes for me somehow, mm-hmm. but that did not happen. Yeah. And the thing about it is, again, that these are all, they're all in there for no other reason than that they were in the book. And I mean, again, my understanding of Terry Pratchett and the whole Discworld thing is that they're like laugh a minute books mm-hmm. in general. Yeah. Like, I know that there's some serious parts right, and stuff, right. but like, it's... they're supposed to be really funny. And mm-hmm. this is as if the person who adapted it, who adapted it, <laughs> yeah. went in and just deliberately took out all the humor. 
Yeah, and it's There's not... There's a bit of humor in the second half, but the first half just plods along. Right, and it's not even so much... And that's not so much, to me, the writing. It's the directing and the editing and the performances. Every scene in this lasts five beats longer than necessary. Yeah, and there... Are, and I can't remember. I remember there was some line of deaths that's, uh, you know, a humorous line in the first part that just was completely destroyed by the delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like... There's just the the comic timing is just not there for most of this movie and the dramatic timing, all the timing, like not just are there a bunch of scenes that don't need to be in there, but within each scene, within every scene, there's like five to 10 seconds that could be cut out Mm -hmm. just of things taking too long. Uh, And it's it's frustrating because there were like there were bits of them really capturing what makes Terry Pratchett work, but they were, you know, kind of adrift in they were accidental yeah every time anything worked it was just it was just a coincidence yeah it was like a stopped clock being right twice a day (laughs) yeah like it's like well you have all these people who were not untalented there were some very good performances Mm -hmm. the script just didn't know what was important yeah like well and and the the dvd cover has the two kids yeah with michelle dockery on the front and they're barely in it yeah i'm like are these kids coming along on this (laughs) nope it's the end okay no they're not yeah and 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 I mean and Terry Pratchett is very difficult to adapt for a couple reasons. You know, one of which is things like I was saying the character of death is just never going to quite work on screen in the way that he does in the words. Well, just because you, it's not possible, you and can't it's not, create that thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the other reason is that a lot of his humor will be in things like so. There's this ridiculous scene where the uh, head wizard is taking a bath and this takes up probably a good 10 minutes of screen time um and it's all about and in the book it's all about this sort of recurring gag character named bloody stupid johnson who designs things that go hilariously wrong in humorous ways and so the humor in that is all in the description and the you know telling of this past history of him or you know like all this stuff it's not in dialogue or things actually happening. Exactly. Well, and that to me, like the whole of Discworld seems like an enormous inside joke. Yeah. And I mean, you know, obviously that builds on itself with every book that you would read. Mm-hmm. But that, why would you even try to adapt that? Right. When you know that it's the language, it's language based humor. Yeah. It's not character based. It's not situational. Mm-hmm. Like it is literally the words that make it funny. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I'd say it's, you know, I'd say there's more character to it necessarily. But but I think it's part of, the character development is not through action. Yeah. The character development is through him telling you this stuff, and not in the way that I yelled at this for uh, show, don't tell. Right, right. You know, he makes it fun, Mm -hmm. and it's very, you know, they're like a confection, right? Like, they're not, Mm -hmm. they're not terribly serious. Yeah. Well, it's very similar, like, the tone is very different, and a lot of things are different, but... Uh, to like the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy mm-hmm. and things like that, and why that's just no, as actually, hard. Actually, as to... I was watching it, it felt very Douglas Adams. Yeah, yeah. It's it's clever. Yeah, it's clever. That's and this absolutely... was one of the least clever adaptations I've ever seen. Yeah, it didn't seem to understand anything of what we just said. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a way that they could have made it work, but they were just so insistent on trying to like push all of like the whole of Discworld into this, you know, three hour thing. Right. And you can't do that. Yeah. Well, and I think, and in a book, if you, you know, you can take a break from a book. 
Right. You know? Right. And without, and you can sort of in TV, but like not really. Yeah, it's, it's different. And you can't control how much time you spend with each part of it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, like, you know, if I'm getting bored with something in a book, I'll just scan a few paragraphs potentially. Yeah. And you can't do that in a movie. And I think, you know, cause I think, there's a fair amount of good feeling for this adaptation out there. there and is, think, people were so excited yeah, about I, it. And I think what it is, and I could feel this too, is that insofar as all that it's doing is activating the enjoyment you had of the book, just sort of in a slightly different way. I mean, I feel like that's a lot of these scenes. You mean like the people who are complaining about Star Wars The Force Awakens activating nostalgia and that <laughs> being like a horrible thing for some reason? Yeah. Yeah, that sort of thing. And I think that's... You know, that just, I'm sorry, that makes me so mad. We haven't even talked about Star Wars at all. Yeah, that's even true. though Lady Shackleton is in it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, no, man, like all of the like hardcore Star Wars people when the prequels came out were so mad because they weren't enough like the old movies. Mm-hmm. Now this one is too much like the old movies. Yeah, no, nerds, <laughs> you don't get any cookies because you don't understand how to enjoy anything. Yeah, yeah, said the person. With a Downton Abbey podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fair. Yeah. Uh, so I'll go into... Uh, I'll try to keep this like yeah, high I, level. It would be great to do really high level in the first half just yeah. because nothing happened. Yeah. You know, we get a nice intro with a, you know, a nice uh, CGI adapt- uh, like representation of the Discworld. Which actually was very helpful because I've like had this said to me before, mm-hmm. like what Discworld is. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is nice. Okay. Yeah. I get yeah. it. Like I have several questions about the natural world, but I guess they do too. So. Right. Uh, so we meet uh, Susan. Susan Stohelet is her name. Uh, Michelle Dockery. And she's reading a bedtime story to her charges. She's a governess. I do like her take on Jack and the Beanstalk. Yeah. Which is a very, uh, you know, I guess it's a very conservative take. Well, but I mean, it's also just saying, you know, that giant may well have had friends and loved ones that we don't get to hear uh-huh. about, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That was nice. Uh, we also see some uh, bad guys uh, uh, purchasing a contract, I guess, from the Assassin's Guild for $3 million. And actually, that's the thing, too. There are some text-based jokes in this. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a text-based joke at the Assassin's Guild with, like, the nameplates and uh-huh, stuff. Uh-huh. That is all great. Yeah. Because it is exactly the right kind of humor. Right, right. Oh, I just remembered Terry Pratchett was the toy maker at the end. Oh, oh, okay. Because I kept being like, why does that guy look familiar? Yeah. And, like, I had, like, seen. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm surprised I didn't realize yeah. that. But, I, but yeah, but that was him. Yeah. Anyway, so Excellent. he's in this movie, and he is credited as mucked around with which <laughs> yeah. i appreciate yeah i yeah. appreciate terry pratchett i just don't want to do that no i know you do uh so there's this whole thing with susan attacking a monster in the basement which again i feel like the timing is butchered on this because she's like interrupted by the parents and it's like oh ho 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 and it just takes like 45 seconds to get to it uh we meet our main bad guy who is tea time who is hired? Who is assigned by the assassins to take this contract? In the book, is it clear that it's pronounced Taya Timé? In in the in the book, he is repeatedly trying to tell people okay. it's pronounced that way and is mostly ignored. Okay, yeah. So yeah, and we see him recruit his gang, some goons and a wizard. I had goons. That's right, and a locksmith. Uh, a repetitive wiz- uh, monster scene with Susan. Yeah, we already saw her kill a monster. Right. So we, we know it's a thing to, she can do. Yeah, we, we only needed one of that. Uh, Tea Time and his gang capture a tooth fairy wagon. Um, 
We meet the wizard. That sounds so much more exciting than what happened. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, the other problem with tea time is he's so almost there, but it's ruined by the vocal work. The vocal work. It is so annoying, which is hilarious because he's later yelling at the tooth fairy for being for having an annoying voice. Yeah. And I'm like, is that also supposed to be funny? But I don't know. Yeah. No, I don't think it is. I think it's just, I think it's a choice that he went with that seemed like a good idea in a short spurt mm-hmm. and nobody realized it was going to like destroy his performance. And that guy, he was in another thing that we watched. He was, a, he was the Tweedledee in Alice Through the Looking Glass. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot we watched that. He was also the man with the thistle down hair in Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, which oh. you have not watched, but. I bet he was good in that. He was actually, he was very good in that. Yeah. This has been Kelly wildly speculates about things she has no interest in. That's our podcast. (laughs) So they make it to the Tooth Fairy's castle uh, and attack various Tooth Fairy, like, soldiers or whatever. Yeah, they have, like, hats. Yeah. Um, They're official. Right. Death uh, sees that these soldiers are being killed because he's death, uh, but he's like, wait a minute, something's not right, and he sees that the Hogfather's hourglass, which is in the special, you know, drawer of immortal hourglasses, is starting to run out. I have a number of world-building-based questions, but let's not even get into that. We won't. See, that's the thing. I think Discworld, in all of my impressions of it, it's world-built out about, like... 97 percent of the way and that three percent that it's not that's where i get hung up and that's why i would never enjoy the books it's very possible i mean i think he does a good job of sort of steering your attention away from the things that he has but i would out. notice but, that no, no, that's, that's the kind of thing that i always have an eye out for yeah yeah so the goons are piling up teeth in the tooth castle i just like the word goons yeah it's fun uh, and you're like, that's weird. Uh, Death rides to the Hogfather's Castle of Bones, which is apparently where he lives. We get a cameo from the Death of Rats for no other reason than that. He is a fan favorite. You know, which is another thing there. that just like, I miss that completely. Yeah, but Also played by Michelle Dockery. Yeah, you know, voiced, one would assume. Yeah. I don't think that was actually her as a tiny rat. You don't know. I could be wrong. She's a fine thespian. <laughs> So Death shows up at Susan's and is like, hey, the Hogfather is gone, uh, but it's none of your business. Goodbye. So he's being the Hogfather now. Yeah. Which is, you know... Also not explained real well. It's not explained real well. It definitely isn't. I mean, eventually becomes clear that he's doing it so that children will continue to believe in the Hogfather, but it just sort of starts happening. See, again, this is actually Terry Pratchett's world building as a microcosm. Mm -hmm. Because, okay, he's doing it so children will still believe in the Hogfather, ignoring the fact that children are going to know it's not the real Hogfather because he's terrifying looking. Yeah, but he is... The thing about it is most children don't. And that this is, again, something that's hard to get across, that's hard to make the transition because... It is like Santa Claus. Yeah. In in the book, it's clear that most children are looking at death and seeing the Hogfather. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Wow, that... Right. Again, just that, right? How did nobody in the meeting say, okay, how do we, like... How do we cope with this? Right. No, and again, they could have done a bunch of other books that would still, they would all still have difficulties here but and there. But they wouldn't have Christmas in them. They wouldn't, yeah. I mean, that's what it comes down to, clearly. And, you know, they're, they're all trying to make a living. This is a Sky TV production, which is really like the sports night <laughs> of like, you know, BBC and ITV yeah. productions. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like the CGI is almost there, but then you're like, why? 
Is that why is uh, tea time just falling stiffly and not moving in any way? Right. I mean, and it, you know, it looks good overall. Uh, the art direction is decent. I don't agree with the costuming of this uh, civilians all very Victorian, like as in production of Oliver the Musical Victorian. Or A Christmas Carol. Yeah. Which doesn't, it just doesn't fit with that society to me, but it doesn't really matter. I it just always felt, thought it was, you know, sort of modern. Like, yeah. I don't, I didn't know, like, for example, that they don't have electricity. Right. But it's, and I mean, it's certainly, it's intentionally got all kinds of anachronisms mm-hmm. in that sense all over the place. And he'll mention it at times. He's like, you know, it, yes, it's ridiculous that this town has both a 19th century opera house and a 16th century, like, theater in the round theater. Uh-huh. But, eh, you know, it's the jokes he wanted to make at the time. So, yeah. Susan's going to try to find out what's going on because her grandfather told her not to. I'm horrified by the fact that the hog father is part pig and they leave him pork pies <laughs> to eat. I recently sang a song about Frosty the Snowman being a cannibal, and yeah. this is basically the same thing. Well, I mean, it's a shame that that's not what happens in every commercial for food products anymore. <laughs> Like Mr. Potato Head eats potato chips. Yeah, that's true. Cinnamon Toast Crunch eats Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Monsters. Yeah. There's this older... I guess this ends up being useful because it creates the God of Hangovers, but there's this whole B-plot about new sort of things being coming into existence now that the Hogfather's out of the way. Mm-hmm. And so we get a Veruca gnome and uh, the God of Hangovers and then like a sock monster and a... The God of Hangovers easily gives the best performance in this. Yeah, he turns out to be great. He so, is phenomenal. Yeah. So kudos, man, whose name we don't know. Yeah. But we hope you have been reasonably successful. <laughs> yeah, we do. Uh, yeah, so, and then death, there's, I mean, a lot of the, what the comedy is supposed to be is death being Hogfather, and, you know, like, so he has this whole public appearance at a, you know, store that goes, you know, in a hilarious fashion or whatever. And the store manager is played by Tony Robinson mm-hmm. of Baldrick fame. That's right. Of Black Adder fame. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he winds up having to give, like, all his toys away or something. Yeah, that also doesn't work, but I recognize that one guy from the cover of Thud. <laughs> Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So good job, production design. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's a couple of the Night Watch show up, knobs and wash pot, which is very odd. I, this And this, is, again, is presumably what it was in the book. I don't remember. But knobs from the beginning, has always hung out with Sergeant Colon. Mm-hmm. And Washpot has never been a major character at all. Why not? It's a big chance to have Colon in here anyway. Colon as in the punctuation or the body part? Well, they're both spelled the same, so it's impossible to say. (laughs) At the Tooth Castle, they're finally getting the spell ready on this teeth, so that happens. Uh, The God of Hangovers materializes at this point. We learn about the history of the Hogfather. Susan goes to Death's Place and finds out that he used to be just this more like uh, sort of blood sacrifice to bring the sun back. And then when people realize that the son would just come back anyway, he transitioned into being, you know, the hog father that we know and love. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We love him. Uh, and it turns out that if the hog father dies, the sun won't rise. Uh, and so Susan goes to the Castle of Bones. Nobody's there uh, except for the God of Hangovers. And it collapses. Uh, and Tea Time's super excited because the spell is working. Intermission. 
I forgot to say my favorite thing that I wrote down. Oh, yeah. Because we glossed over this. But so Susan can stop time. Yeah. In the same way that her grandfather can. Yeah. Uh, so she stops time. And I was like, just when I thought I couldn't get any slower. <laughs> right. She stops Literally time. stops time. It was devastating. Yeah. Yeah. No, and it's weird because when she goes off to do all this death business, like her hair and stuff change. Yeah. And I don't know why that happened. Yeah. I don't either. Well, because she changes into like black because she's like being, you know, using her deathness. Yeah. But the hair doesn't seem to need to. It was fine. Agreed. Yeah. Her outfit is the governess is actually a lot more Edwardian than it is Victorian. Mm. Good call. Thank you. <laughs> We've been doing this a long time. <laughs> this has been fashion backwards for this <laughs> particular podcast. So the second act begins with the same intro to the point where I was like, wait, did I do the wrong thing? Yeah, we were like, are we watching the wrong part again? <laughs> we just have to keep watching this over and over. <gasps> Groundhog Father Day. <laughs> uh, so what's going on in the Tooth Castle is that they're trying to make their way into like the innermost room. Uh, and Why are they doing that? They Actually, there's not a good reason tea time just sees that there's like one super like locked door that is the most enchanted and hard to get into and he's like i want to see what and so their spell protecting. is only to control the minds of children so that they don't believe in the Hogfather anymore right except i feel like he's later like oh also now that i've got power over the minds of children seems like i could use this for a lot of other things so all right whatever yeah, whatever um but what goes on as this is going on, I'm not going to be too chronological. Uh, and this, again, is something that I had to explain what was going on to Kelly, is that the house, the Tooth Castle, is giving the goons nightmares uh, as a defense mechanism. It's tapping back to their worst childhood nightmares and uh, bringing them to life and killing them in this fashion. And you don't die there. You, like, drop out of it and back into the real world. It's right. very strange. And I yeah. did not understand that until, like the last possible moment yeah because the explanation is that it's a child's world there's no death for children people just go away and that's why they picked this place was because death couldn't get in there if he felt like trying to stop them and also the teeth yeah they also by the way have a tooth fairy not <clears throat> the tooth fairy that they captured along with the wagon that has been in and there she's with the them. one who's annoying yeah tea time so much yeah uh, so there's some discussion about how, uh, in, in, as, as death continues being the hog father, he realizes that this poor kid, even though we asked for all these things, is only getting poor kids presents. Mm -hmm. And Arthur talks to him about how, yeah, Albert, uh, yeah, Albert talks to him about how that is. Uh, that's just the way it is. And you know, the, the, it just gives them hope. That's all. Uh, and then a few scenes later, he is telling him the story of the poor little match girl. And he's like, yeah, you know, just because, he says, you know, just because we're as poor as a disabled banana and all this sort of thing, uh -huh. you know, at least we're not her. We've still got got it better than somebody. Uh, and Death comes across, you know, a poor little match girl who is dead in the snow and uh, pulls out her hourglass and pff, magics more glass sand into the top so that she's alive again. And uh, Albert's like, you can't do that. And he's like, ah, oh, but the Hogfather can do that. So, you know, boom. Uh, and it was pretty nice. That was that was the first scene in a while that Kelly was like, "Oh, I like that." Was a no, good scene. I got. I'm getting a little teared up. Yeah, because man, that was like really nice. It was really nice. Yeah, he gave her more time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and that's what I'd say. The what the genius of Terry Pratchett is is that like a couple she of times. She lobbied for the Washington <laughs> Monument. 
a few times in every book you'll be like oh my gosh that was really powerful in no man and like and and so again my appreciation is deepening i think that's great these are things i'd want my children exposed to yeah so that's that's fine and that's you know You've got enough going on in your life. You don't yeah, need to I really read do. Terry Pratchett. I have like three jobs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Susan heads to the Tooth Fairy's realm uh, because they have found some of these dead tooth soldiers littering up the real world and deduced what's going on. So she brings the God of Hangovers with her because he just asked to tag along. She's like, all right. Uh, meanwhile, the, the goons are in various ways getting sick of this. The wizard tries to leave. Uh, and is foiled. One of the goons is trying to steal things, also foiled. Tea Time is not interested. And he has recruited Banjo, who is the muscle of the group and who is a very simple mind and has turned him from his former allegiance to obey him. So he's got the advantage now. So Susan gets in, sees all the teeth, is like, whoa, as you would be. I can't believe how much quicker we're getting through this. No, I know. Than this thing. Yeah. Because again, nothing was happening. Yeah. Uh, death show, the wizards all wait for Death to show up as the hog father so that they can interrogate him about what's going on. So he fills them in. Uh, Susan's exploring the tooth castle and we see the first goon nightmare uh, taking over him. And we also uh, have the God of Hangovers. He then meets the the Tooth Fairy and that is spoiler there. Spoiler alert: They're going to get married. Yeah, they. It's love at first sight. Yeah, it's and it's really it's, it, it's very cute. Yeah, it's one it, of the few things that actually works. Yeah, it works really well. Like and it's such a minor thing because she is annoying. Yeah, like she's very annoying. Yeah, but, like they but get along. They they've got chemistry. Uh, Death tells Hex the magic computer to believe in the Hog Father. It's like, so did that work or not? It just happens. Um, I like that hex, though. Yeah. I thought that was a, a fun little piece of design. Yeah, yeah. No, that's... Because, yeah, again, they achieve a lot of difficult things in this. One of them is the, you know, portrayal of Hex, mm-hmm. who is, you know, always intentionally not fully described in the books. Yeah. And it, yeah, so that was a good thing. In Tooth Castle, Tea Time manages to steal Susan's sword, which is actually Death's sword, and he immediately identifies both it and her, and she's like, oh. Well, he's read up on his twerp's peerage. Yes. Which (laughs) was a joke I really enjoyed. Yeah. (laughs) So he takes her into the room with the door they're trying to get into, and uh, is like you know, talking to her and, like, discussing his evil plan and this sort of thing. Uh, but he had reveals <coughs> the fact that the plan is for there to be no more Hogfather. Banjo had not realized that this was part of the plan, and he gets very upset. He's very upset. Yeah. Tea Time, however, immediately says that it's Susan's fault. She's the one that's going to kill the Hogfather. And so Banjo's, like, in now in an existential crisis because his mom told him never to hit girls. Or to play or with Or to them. play with girls. And, like, he cannot handle this contradiction. Like, it's, it's, it's tearing him apart, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Banjo ends up... So, yeah, so then Banjo's mom, like, materializes and scolds. So is she supposed to be one of the nightmares that's taking over? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She. Yeah. I was unclear on whether that was what was happening or whether Susan, like, had the power to, like, bring people's spirits in to do, like, her bidding. Right. Um. So, yeah, the the mom comes and the Banjo's brother is completely, you know, disappeared by this. And Banjo's, like, you know, freaked out. 
uh, and ends up attacking Tea Time. But Tea Time's okay, and he says he's not worried because he's always been in touch with his inner child, which is, you know, evil anyway, so Uh this is great. Uh, He then attempts to kill Susan, but the sword has no effect because it is Death's sword, and this is not Death's place. So he's like, crap. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, then Susan gives him a little... uh, uh, final line about meet your inner meet the inner babysitter and shoves him over the edge and he falls which i liked in spite of myself yeah <laughs> yeah it, it, it actually worked yeah uh so he falls to his death however his dead body appears in the wizards university and they immediately decide to bring him back to life to ask these wizards questions. are so stupid yeah i know it's a comment on like oxford right but like good lord yeah. They made me so angry how stupid they were. <laughs> yeah, and they're they're always like that. I, no, I, yeah. I that actually came across. Yeah, yeah. Because not everything that was clearly like a thing from the books, like that mm-hmm. quote the Raven. Like I was like, right. I don't get you. Yeah. Um. But with them, I was like, oh, I was like, that's clearly part of the construct of this world is that this is how wizards are, mm-hmm. and they're stupid and dumb, and they just are probably in every book being stupid and dumb. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's 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 talked about as the idea is that you know they all have so much power that everybody kind of has an interest in making sure that they're just kind of dumb and doing pointless uh-huh. things rather than uniting and I did like terrorizing the, the, the cute world. young natural philosopher though. Yeah, I imagine people give him a hard time. Yes, they do. <laughs> the arch chancellor in particular can never understand what he's on about. <laughs> I like to see how happy this makes you. <laughs> yeah, like even though like this wasn't a great adaptation, like just when you talk about it, <laughs> no, it is. Is like you're a kid yeah like i can see like baby tommy and how much he loved these books yeah yeah it well, makes me happy well all right yeah that's good i'm glad i like you <laughs> so they finally get into the tooth door at tooth castle uh susan heads in doesn't buy the tooth fairy being a kindly old woman and the tooth fairy then tries various shape-shifting to frighten susan but susan's like please well and she determines it's a boogeyman and mm. i'm like oh hey jk rowling here we are again what's up boggart <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh but he's uh, said- <laughs> she's like can't hear you too wealthy <laughs> claims to be the first boogeyman but he came to love children and it now protects them rather than scaring oh, them oh hey hey pixar <laughs> what's the plot of monsters inc again <laughs> they'd rather not say <laughs> <laughs> well not before i sign an nda yeah so the tooth fairy fades away, kind of being released from being actually really super old and tired of it. Uh, and the new tooth fairy will be Banjo. Yay, Banjo. I loved Banjo. Yeah. Banjo was another thing that 100% worked for me. Yeah. From his name to <laughs> his character development. Um, I loved him. Yeah. I think he's great. Is he in more of the books? I don't think so. Oh, no. that's a bummer. I'm sorry. I wanted Banjo to have his own series. Yeah. There tend to be a different... Like picture books about Banjo and his puppy. <laughs> yeah. The goons tend to rotate out from book to that book. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, are they always like a heist? Not always, but the the structure of a goons being hired by a person who's working for another person okay that comes up fairly often oh just like in good omens yeah that's the real reason i don't read i always forget that i did read a terry pratchett book once and hated it more than anything (laughs) that's true and it was for all the reasons that i identified now this was like 
I could have just saved a lot of time for everybody if I just remembered that I just hated good omens. Yeah. And I didn't need to explain myself. <laughs> Fair enough. Hopefully you all enjoyed it anyway. Yeah. Uh, and the God of Hangovers and the fairy will stay at the castle and help Banjo out, and he'll get a puppy. So, Tooth Castle plotline ends with a happy ending yes, for all. Yes, very good. Yeah. And I thought it was over. But no! It's not <laughs> yeah. over. It's not quite. So Susan gets home, and that's like, hey, he literally is like, hey, it's not over. So, and this part... It ain't over till it's over. <laughs> yeah. And this part, I would like to say, I don't think works at all in the book either. I mean, it's one of... I own about half of the Discworld books, and this is one that I don't. Uh-huh. And, you know, I mean, I'd, I'm sure I'd enjoy reading it again, but the ending just completely falls apart for me. Okay. Because, like, the Hogfather is now reverted to being a boar, but, like, now the auditors have become wolves and are chasing the boar. Yeah, and the auditors I have a big issue with as well, because, I, as I said to you, I was like, okay, so even if they save the Hogfather this time, these idiots are just going to keep coming back. Right. Like, there's no way to end this threat. Right. And I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're, it's basically the idea is that they're always finding some way in, because their goal is to destroy all life because it's messy and not easy to calculate. Um, and Oh, so they're accountants. Yeah. I forget what auditor means in other countries. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, the same general idea. And so, you know, in whatever books they are the antagonist, you know, there's usually rules preventing them from just flat out killing everybody, but they find some loophole here, they find some loophole there. So they're like accountants who are also lawyers. Yeah, yeah, yes. Um, but yeah, so then it's like, but Susan has to help the hog father, but then death can also help, but then the hog father is dead, but then the sun comes up and is the hog father again. And this, this, I just don't, get it it's very pagan yeah um which is fine just yeah, the, it doesn't the, hang together with everything else that's been said right the pagan aspect of it works fine it's just how this resolves the plot like why was the pig dying and what does this have to like it just well he was the the hog father became the pig right but then it's unclear well okay so I, he didn't he revert because the children didn't believe in him or something, but that also doesn't make sense because they kept believing in him because death was out there. Right. So again, here's this 3%. Yeah. Uh, that I just can't deal with. Yeah. So we don't have to belabor the point. Yeah. Like they saved the day. Yeah. They saved the day because um, it is written in the script that they do. Right. And they have a whole discussion about fantasy and why do we need these, you know, uh, figures, the hog father mm-hmm. and the tooth fairy and all that. And it's the, you know, thesis statement. And it's, it's, you know, I find it. No, it's a perfectly compelling thesis yeah, statement. Yeah. Like I, I pretty much agree. Yeah. Yeah. As a writer of fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah. Bring on the fantasy. Mm-hmm. So death drops off Susan at home and asks her if she wants to come to hogs watch dinner. And she's like, uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> I don't get her identity issues. Mm-hmm. Granted, I'm not seeing the whole, saga right but i'm like you just need to like deal with who you are yeah like and if you don't want to get involved in this stuff then don't get involved in this stuff Mm -hmm. like she feels like she keeps getting dragged back into it by death yeah which like you know you just got to be strong yeah it's like not getting back together with your ex after you've broken up (laughs) yeah anyway she does ask him in for coco uh the kids are unimpressed by death's presence. They find him unscary. Uh, but then tea time is there and has Susan at sword point. Uh, the kids came in, kids come back in still like pretty chill about the whole situation really because they believe that Susan can handle anything. Uh, there's various, you know, villainy things going on. Uh, but the end result is that Susan hurls a poker th- right through death and into tea time, thus killing him. 
And he doesn't shut up this whole movie. Yeah. Like, he just talks way too much. He does talk way too much. And too slowly. He's got, he puts a beat between every mm-hmm. word. Uh, but he's dead, so that's great. And uh, then Death gives Susan a Hog's Watch card that, that he, he made tried for to her. make. Yeah. It's so terrible. Yeah. Because, like, he puts snow, like, he was just taking, because he doesn't understand human things. Mm-hmm. And that was made much of in the first part. Like, or they said that he didn't understand right. human things. But I was like, why weren't there more examples of him not getting it? Yeah. Because that was actually funny. Yeah. Because was. he tried to, like, tape a robin to it <laughs> yeah. on some snow, and the snow melted, and the robin kept flying off. <laughs> yeah. It was, no, yeah. see, and that's adorable. That's yeah. great. It was. Yeah. So that was nice. And we get two more nice things at the end, which is Banjo actually getting his puppy that he was promised. It's so cute, guys. It is. It's like this giant dude in a small puppy. Yeah. And Death going back in time and buying Albert a horse that he wanted when he was a kid. Yes. A toy horse. And so those kids, um, those kids like weren't believing in the Hogfather and Michelle Dockery was like, believe in the Hogfather. Yeah. And they were like, we're very skeptical. Yeah. And then they came down and like their dad was the Hogfather. Right. I skipped over that, but I didn't get that. But I was like, but the Hogfather is legit real. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know what that was about at all. And maybe if I'd read the book recently, I could piece it together, but I haven't. No, but it's like but the I mean, kids. Yeah. Like go ahead and have the kids there at the beginning to establish what her reality is. Sure. So when we deviate from it, it makes sense. Yeah. But they had nothing to do with the story. Well, right. That's just that's just the DVD box art, though. Yeah. I mean, that's not, you know. But No, but I mean, even in in context of the thing, I didn't need that scene of them not seeing the Hogfather. Oh, that. Yeah. No, agreed. Agreed. So, anyway. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that okay. was that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was more fun to talk about than I thought it would be. Yeah. I yeah. had a good time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent. I'm glad. We hope you all did as well. Yeah. We'll be back uh, tomorrow with our very last installment before... <gasps> The Downton Abbey series finale instant take. Yikes. I know. It is crazy. Mm -hmm. Of course, those of you listening in the States who are not uh, illegally downloading it (laughs) uh, will have to wait. Yeah. Till March. Till Yeah. It's a ways off. But uh, we're very excited. We are. So if you are watching on Christmas Day, uh, we'll have that up for you as soon as we can. Yeah. Which, you know, depending on holiday festivities, should be should be Christmas Day. Yeah. I think it will be. Yeah. I well, because so it's too. on early. It's on at one. Right. So. Yeah. So that should We're not be- going anywhere until yeah. later. Okay. Now you know our plan. <laughs> uh, and yeah. So we'll be back with our very final Christmas special tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, nativity with mm-hmm. a special guest. That's right. Ooh. So until next time, up, up yours, yours downstairs, downstairs. Luncheon out. <laughs>